this absolutely will be a movie. We just need the happy ending. And I feel like we are getting so much closer to the happy ending. Hello all and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson, joined as always by my co-host, Jeremy Holden. And Jeremy, as much as I would like to hear about how your Labor Day weekend went, I'm still too fired up about the AMX 35 news to talk about anything else. And we're going to continue that conversation on this week's show. We are, and I couldn't agree more. I'm really excited to bring three great interviews to our listeners. You know, big news coming out of that long weekend and the petition we told listeners about last week to really kind of encourage and, and call on Amelix and the FDA to work together to bring the uh, AMX 35 to the market for people with ALS to talk to their doctors about. That petition got 31,000 signatures wow. just over the Labor Day weekend, and you know we're still going. We will, we will share that petition in our show notes, and I think you'll hear from our guests today why it is so important to to sign on to share that petition and and just keep driving this initiative forward. Thirty one thousand. That is a big number, especially when you consider that the petition was created less than a week ago. It goes to show you the influence that the ALS community can have and also uh, truly how hungry uh, we all are for this type of progress. As you mentioned, we had some great guests this week. We were fortunate to secure some time with three very impactful voices with strong ties to the various facets of this story. Dr. Kuldeep DeVay is the ALS Association's Vice President of Research, and he, as always, was able to give us a deeper explanation of the science behind AMX35, which is extremely helpful because we always learn so much uh, when he's on the program. And then we spoke with two individuals in Sandy Morris and Tommy May, who offer unique perspectives in this moment because uh, both are currently living with ALS. They are each dedicated advocates in this fight, and they have ties uh, to the two advocacy organizations helping to lead the efforts that will hopefully as we mentioned, bring AMX 35 to those who need it as soon as possible. All right, it's time for the two of us to get out of the way so our listeners can benefit from the insights brought by those fantastic guests. Let's listen back to the interviews with Dr. DeVay, Sandy, and Tommy recorded earlier this week. We are pleased to welcome back to the program today, Dr. Kuldeep DeVay, the ALS Association's Vice President of Research. Good morning, doctor, and thanks for taking the time to join us once more on Connecting ALS. Thank you for having me. Well, it makes sense that we'd want to talk to you today because the ALS research world is still buzzing about the big news from last week regarding the phase two results for the Amelix Pharmaceuticals drug, AMX0035, that were published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Doctor, can you start off by putting into perspective what this says about the state of ALS research? We obviously have heard a lot in the last year about Neuron. Now AMX0035 is showing promise. It feels like we might be turning a corner. Would you say that's accurate? Yes, and it's an exciting time in ALS research right now. If you just look at the landscape of drug development, over 50 different trials that are recruiting or enrolling patients. We know, and this is a you know a, a very a gross count, but at least a hundred different companies are pursuing 
either preclinical or clinical programs in ALS. So it, it's, wow. it's, it's really an exciting time. And I think layered on that is the fact that there's diversity in what types of targets and pathways and approaches these companies are using to go against ALS. You know, these are targets that go from a growth factor to a T-cell to, in this case, uh, mitochondrial and a protein handling target like they're using in Amelix uh, 35. Just It's just good to have that kind of diversified portfolio against a disease that we know is very complex. It's very heterogeneous. And it's good to have in our arsenal different types of approaches and targets to go after the disease. So what, what makes this time really exciting is we're learning a lot from the biology of this disease. We have funded gene sequencing initiatives to understand what type of mutations exist in ALS. So we're looking at at the DNA level, at the level of RNA, at the level of protein, where we're doing proteomics. Again, trying to find those new targets that may drive the disease. And so exciting times. Uh, I think the state of the field is encouraging and really open to avenues down the line that hopefully will be as exciting as these results. Thank you for that note of hope. And it, it does sound like we are in, in some very exciting times. So it was good to hear that from the perspective of, of someone with, with the depth of knowledge about how the research works as you have. And digging in a little bit further, Dr. DeVay, can you tell our listeners a bit about how exactly AMX35 works inside the body? Sure. So stepping back a little bit, we know that in ALS, and this is years and decades of research, that there are many cellular pathways that are dysregulated. In other words, there are many pathways in our cells that go dysfunctional in ALS. These could be mitochondrial pathway, oxidative stress pathway, protein handling, inflammation. So there are just a a storm of things that go dysfunctional uh, in ALS. And we don't know exactly which pathway is more active or inactive in a particular patient's cells. And so it it makes sense that if we are able to target a couple of these at once, that we are increasing our chances of having a real effect in ALS. And that's what AMX35 is doing. It's a combination product. It's a combination of two drugs, sodium phenylbutyrate and terorsodiol. And both of these work on two different pathways inside our cells. Sodium phenylbutyrate works on what we like to call endoplasmic reticulum stress pathway or ER stress pathway. And a simple way to explain this would be proteins are generated in our cells and they do their thing and then they're degraded. Something happens in that pathway where proteins start to misfold. And when they misfold, they don't end up in the right conformation 
and then you start to see proteins aggregating. And so this is a pathway which is very important for proteins to be handled, to be made, to be synthesized, and to do its function. And when this goes haywire, you're going to have bad cellular effects. And sodium phenylbutyrate works on these particular heat shock proteins within this pathway to ameliorate toxicity from ER stress. On the other hand, the other compound in this combination, terosodiol, it works on the mitochondrial pathway. So mitochondria are very important. They're part of all of our cells. And we know that when something goes dysfunctional, the mitochondrial pathway is affected and it starts to, again, dysregulate. And terosodiol recovers these deficits, mitochondrial deficits within cells. And so, again, it's, it's coming at it from two different sides of the, of the coin. And the hope is that both of these pathways combined can have a larger effect or hopefully a synergistic effect on the disease. And that's what we see happening here. That's great. Thanks for the simplified yet complex look at how Amalex 35 does work inside the body. Dr. Dave, because we saw promising results in phase two slowing disease progression for people that took AMX 35, the ALS Association is, is working with partners to try and expedite access to that drug so, so patients and their clinicians can talk about it as a potential treatment option while additional testing goes through. Listeners can obviously go back to uh, last week's episode and, and revisit the conversation we had around that. But Dr. Dave, you mentioned that this is a, a composition of two existing compounds. And we're starting to see some chatter on social media about making your, making your own compound at home. Can you speak to the wisdom about people trying to recreate AMX35 at home? This uh, trial tested this particular combination of the two compounds. And from what I understand, Amelix has developed a patented formulation to combine these two drugs into one combination product. Again, this patented formulation allows you to combine the two drugs in the two different doses that they're used in. The central trial didn't test this combination therapy against individual therapies. So we don't really know whether if you use AMX35, which is a combination in a particular formulation, whether that would work the same way as if you took these two drugs and took them individually at home. We just don't have an answer on that because this study did not test that. We think that it's best that patients work with their doctors and physicians and specialists to understand whether this drug would work for them and whether this could be part of the treatment that they're already getting. Again, it's, it's important to note that the trial did not test individual therapies and compare them to the combo product. And so we do not know whether that will work in a similar fashion. Thank you for breaking it down in that way. It's, it's so important, like you said, to consult your physician before 
experimenting with any sort of drug therapy on your own. We understand the want and the need for people to have access to these treatments, but please do always consult with your clinical team and your physicians before trying out any sort of drug in your treatment plan. Thank you for explaining that for us, doctor. I want to put some context into to this research news based on what's happening in the world today. Urgency is a word that comes up quite a bit in our work at the ALS Association, and for good reason. Uh, people living with this disease cannot afford to wait years for new treatments to come to market. We're seeing the global scientific community act with urgency during the pandemic, expediting testing and trials for various vaccines that will hopefully curb the spread of the virus. In your opinion, doctor, will what's happening in the world with COVID research have any impact on how ALS treatments are developed and viewed moving forward? Yes, I think so. You know, COVID is different in many ways. We know the virus that causes COVID. We know exactly where in the body it attaches to the cells and gains entry into the cells and has its effect. And because we understand that biology so well, drug companies are able to very quickly translate that biology into drug development. That is what's different from ALS. While the last 20 years, we have learned a lot about the biology of ALS, we also know that ALS is a very complex disease. It, it isn't just one virus and mm -hmm. one particular subtype. We, we know that there are many causes, environmental, lifestyle, genetic, and many that we don't even know that may cause ALS. And this is why understanding the biology of ALS is so important. Once we have our equivalent of the coronavirus for ALS, then drug companies can translate that biology into drug development very quickly. And so what COVID has taught us is it's important for us to keep investing in biology and understanding the cellular mechanisms. What goes wrong in ALS? What causes it? What at the level of cells is dysregulated or goes dysfunctional? And how can we correct that? If we know that, if we get educated in that, we can quickly translate that into successful drug development. I just think that we are at a very exciting stage for ALS. The state of the field is good. It's exciting. We have the right stakeholders excited. We have the patient community behind us. And we're leading the charge to get those treatments to our community. And so very happy with AMX 35 and the positive clinical results. And we hope that more news like this follows in the coming years. Well, thank you again so much, Dr. Cole Diptive, the ALS Association's Vice President of Research. It meant a lot to have you on today to talk about the exciting news around AMX 35 and what it could mean for the future of ALS research. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. So we are fortunate to be joined on the phone by Sandy Morris to give us the perspective of someone living with ALS around last week's exciting research announcement. Sandy, thanks for being with us today on Connecting ALS. 
Thank you so much for having me. So obviously, we wanted to talk to you about the results of the phase two clinical trial for AMX35, which was published last week in the New England Journal of Medicine. And you have some unique connections to several sides of this equation, which we're going to get into in a little bit. But first things first, Sandy, as someone who is living with this disease, what was your initial reaction to the news? Oh, my gosh. Like, so much excitement. Mm. I mean, this is what we've been waiting for, right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to take lots of treatments. So it's not going to be, I don't believe, you know, one one drug that's going to work for everybody. But the whole fact that the science is advancing and it's working for some is spectacular. Right, right. Yeah, and you know, Mike mentioned that this well, these results were from the phase two of the clinical trial, and as as our listeners learned last week, the ALS Association and IMALS came together to launch a petition to encourage the FDA and Amelix to work together to figure out a way to get this treatment to patients as quickly as possible, and, and we will share that petition in the show notes. But Sandy, you have strong ties to both advocacy organizations. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement and, and why this kind of collaboration is important to the community that we serve? Oh my gosh. Well, we all have to work together. And we've said that, you know, coming into this disease, sometimes it can look very siloed. Mm. And so I could not be happier that IMLS and ALSA are putting out this announcement and this petition together and really making sure that the ALS community, you know, comes together to support something we so desperately need. This is what we work for every day. So in IMALS, we work every day to make sure that there is access to investigational therapies while we wait for the treatments to arrive. And that's, the most important thing in this disease because we believe it's going to be customized. ALS is not going to be one disease. It's going to be 133. It's going to be something that we will have to be very smart about. Like we will have to combine things. We will have to make it work for the individual. And so that's what's so exciting about organizations working together to make sure we're working with trial sponsors who are doing the right thing and getting their drugs out to us as quickly as we can, because there's the win-win. They're successful and we get a shot at life. So this could not be more exciting for me. Yeah, that collaboration is so key and to have voices like yours to be involved, to really demonstrate the need and to put the call out for this sort of progress in research and regulation that brings the drugs to those that need it. I want to follow up on, on a little bit on the petition, which does have, at the time of recording, more than 31,000 signatures, which is amazing. And as, assuming that this can lead to direct action and potentially set a precedent for future drugs under similar circumstances where if treatments are proven effective and safe in early trials that expanded access becomes the norm. Is that is that ultimately what we're hoping for here out of this this step? Yes. I mean, in this case, Amelix has some really great science, scientific data. And so what we're really trying to do is make sure that we push fast 
like this is not sunscreen or Viagra. This is not a comfort product. This is a product that could save lives. We want a faster lane. And we've seen faster lanes with COVID. Now we know that we're not a pandemic, so we're not asking for that fast of a lane, but we do not believe that we should be in the same lane as comfort products, and today we are. So expanded access is my heart. That is what we work on day in and day out right now with probably over 30 trial sponsors. And we have to make sure that that becomes the new norm in this disease. It is absolutely normal in oncology and HIV, and they're benefiting from it. They are absolutely benefiting from it. We have to demand it as well. Can you tell us how you got involved kind of in the earlier stages of some of this research and how you got connected and, and was it just your resolve or were you brought into that fold? What, what brought you into the Amalex realm? I don't remember who introduced me to Justin and Josh, but I'm so glad whoever did that. I've worked with their team now. I've met most of their team members actually, and I know what their culture is and I know their philosophy and it would be the greatest story ever that for a 150 year medical mystery, we have two young men in their dorms that decide to try something and it comes out to work for some. And when you work with that team, you absolutely want them to be in the winner's circle. You, they are like what I say, let the good guys win. And what we talk about a lot with that team is working on the ALS clock. Because when you are diagnosed with a lofty disease like this, you are no longer privileged to be on a human clock. You have mm -hmm. two to five years and you have to work in that time frame. And that team works on the ALS clock. That's a really impressive way to frame it. Thank you for sharing some of your knowledge about Amalix and their founders. It is kind of the stuff that movies are made of. It sounds like a screenplay, and, and we're all rooting for that, and as we are all uh, ALS researchers around the globe. Sandy, I was just curious, because you are so connected in this world, if you've had a chance in the last week or so to speak to any other individuals that are living with ALS that you may know or have met and, and kind of gauge their reaction, just kind of what the, the general buzz is amongst the ALS community about this news. A lot of excitement, a lot of excitement. And I work with, you know, so many of my friends have ALS now. So of course that's what we talk about, right? The Holy Grail, mm -hmm. if you will. And I don't know that, you know, AMX 35 will be the Holy Grail, but the fact that it's working for some is all is all we're looking for. That's all we're looking for. We got to get started. The pipeline needs to open up to start finding the different treatments that will work for us because some of us are familial and most of us are sporadic. But we need to really look at the customized medication of it and just like HIV and figure out what is working for some and then we'll be on that roll moving forward of getting a better handle of what's going on inside of our bodies. I do know that there are some, not the ones I talk to closely, but there are some that are still in a bit of disbelief. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that comes from a disease that is like the jackpot of the disease. Like mm. we stand in awe of this crazy, terrible, 100% fatal disease. And I think sometimes that's a lot for people to think that we might actually have a line on it. But for the most part, the people I talk to are, you know, if they could jump out of their wheelchairs and do a dance, they would. Thank you for sharing that and, and some of the conversations you've had. And Hope is such a big piece. And more than that, the real results and the progress that we're seeing. And as you said, some of the doors that will hopefully open as a result of this, we know there's not going to be one treatment. We're going to need several treatments. And right. with with any luck and, and with some of the progress we've made, we're going to start seeing more of those treatments come to market in the next few years. And that, as Absolutely. you said, huge, huge news. Huge. Finally, right? After after 150 years, I mean, of right. no Imagine that. No survivors. Hmm. Not one of us gets to drink out of the survivor coffee cup because hmm. there aren't none. And just imagine that Amelix and the others that are coming in behind them might be the reason that we can purchase those coffee cups. Well, thank you again, Sandy Morris, for lending your perspective as someone who's living with ALS to this conversation. It's really encouraging to hear that you are feeling that excitement and that hope and that we're moving in the right direction. Thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. We are now joined by ALS Association Board of Trustees member and advocate Tommy May from his home in Arkansas. Good morning, Tommy, and thank you for being with us on Connecting ALS. Well, good morning, Mike. I'm glad to be, be here, and I'm glad we're here to talk about something very important to a whole lot of people. Yes, we do have some extremely exciting news. As you are well aware, Tommy, the ALS community is still very much buzzing from last week's publication of the New England Journal of Medicine, which included results from the phase two trial of Amelix Pharmaceuticals potential ALS treatment, AMX35. To start with, if you would, Tommy, give us kind of your initial reaction to the news about the drug. Well, I think to uh, say that I was excited would be a tremendous understatement. I truly am optimistic that this can be a game changer. My optimism is uh, is based on the data making a very clear and compelling case that it could and should be made available to all the ALS patients as soon as possible. And I can't... Uh, uh, say that enough as soon as possible. Uh, to do so, we uh, we would be looking uh, forward to working with Amlix, uh, FDA, and the ALS community to, to make it happen. And uh, again, I'm just very, very excited about this, uh, this opportunity. Yeah, Tommy, thank you for that. And I know so many people in the community would echo that sentiment and folks that we have heard from certainly do. As someone living with ALS, what is it about the results of AMX35 and, and its impact on participants in the clinical trials? What do you find so relevant about the results that we've seen to date? 
Well, I, I believe that it would uh, be the fact that the pals participating in, in these trials saw such a meaningful delay in the progression uh, as measured by the ALS functional rating scale. Uh, so, uh, again, very positive from those that, that participated in uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited about that. It certainly was significant to think of this. For some of the participants, the delay is the difference between being able to feed yourself versus being fed. Uh, for some, it's needing or not needing a wheelchair. Time is truly of the, uh, of the essence. It's very significant for the ALS community, and for many, it's the first positive news they've had since their diagnosis. And in my opinion, that is everything. Yeah, as you mentioned, those results could mean a significant shift in a quality of life for someone living with ALS. And, and that's the goal is to improve quality of life, to slow down the progression and buy us some time until we are able to cure this disease. You've mentioned urgency earlier, and, and we talk a lot about urgency in the world of ALS research because time is always against us. But over the years, Tommy, in hearing you speak out on behalf of the cause, you are such an amazing advocate and voice in this fight. You've talked a lot about the importance of hope and how communicating that hope is, is critical to the work being done by the ALS Association and similar organizations. Tell us about the power and influence of hope in the ALS community. Well, when I was given the opportunity to go on the board of ALSA, I asked my, myself, how can I be a difference maker? If I'm going to do this, uh, I need to be able to some way make a difference. And uh, from the very beginning, I felt like something that would provide hope would be very, very significant. So, uh, you know, except for those pals and their families who live with the disease, you know, it's, it's really impossible to explain what this event, what this message of hope can mean to them. You know, while piles are generally resilient, they always have the uh, can-do attitude, and they truly try to live one day at a time. Deep down, they and I wonder if they will live to see something positive relative to delaying or curing this dreadful disease. You know, most of us hope and pray for some positive news, mainly for their family. Uh, they're not necessarily thinking of themselves, but for their family. 
myself and uh, an ALS board member. I'm excited beyond what I can explain. Let me tell you, if I can, about a friend in Arkansas who I speak to occasionally. Uh, his progression has taken him down the path of losing his speech, uh, similar to, to me, and his breathing is impacted, uh, as is his ability to swallow. He has the various devices and assists him when he needs it. He has one of the best positive attitudes that one person could imagine. He, he always sees that glass half full. I must admit, sometimes I see it half empty, but he just encourages me uh, with his attitude. But during a conversation earlier this year, through his wife with him listening, we had a, a good visit about sports, friends, and, and yes, the disease. Before ending my call, his wife said, wait a, a minute, Tommy, that um, uh, he's typing something on his eye case for you. A moment later, I heard an automated voice that said, Tommy, tell me something that will give us hope. You truly could have cut the air with a knife. While I gave an answer, I laid awake that night, tears in my eyes, thinking to myself, all he wants is hope. And I did not deliver it. Hope is everything. It's something we cling to. Our family begins to think in positive terms or what's next when there's hope. Our grandchildren begin to better understand and, and also look forward to what might be next. Uh, God's blessed me beyond what I deserve. It is hope that we can deliver to those young, newly diagnosed pals that truly will make a difference in their journey because of this drug and its ability to slow progression. So not a cure, but it certainly extends the length of the journey while further testing, we'll find that elusive cure. Tommy, thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. Just an incredibly powerful story and just really drives home the power that, that those moments of hope can give. You mentioned your service to the association's board, and you over the years have been such a, a powerful advocate for access to treatments, to devices thinking specifically about the work you've done on non-invasive ventilators, and we can share that with our listeners in the show notes. But can you talk a little bit about the next steps and, and what can be done to bring AMX 35 and, and bring that hope to the community uh, as quickly as possible? Sure. Uh, 
you know, first let me say that the work of every person within ALSA, whether it's national chapters or whatever, is committed to providing the best care service and research that is there. The pals and their families are our number one priority in everything that we do. And I've learned that very quickly in the time that I've been on the board. I could not be prouder. And the AMX 35 is a great example of what can happen with creative thinking, appropriate funding, and patience. The AMX 35 initiative was one of the very first investments made after the famous ice bucket challenge. I've tried to always remind myself that good things don't just happen. People make them happen. Certainly in this case, that has uh, been the case with the two young men. So people with ALS cannot wait for the full experimental process to continue. For sure, there is a sense of urgency, and I cannot emphasize that enough. We're asking FDA and MX to work together to bring a MX-35 to the PALS as soon as possible prior to a phase three trial. Time is of the essence and the risk to the PALS are simply not there, which to me more than justifies the use of this immediately. The greatest risk is if they are not able to get this drug at the earliest possible moment. We ask that the FDA conduct a swift review and allow this drug to become available to everyone with ALS as soon as possible. The ALS community can't, cannot wait three to four years. We desperately need the FDA to use its emergency powers to accelerate approval and use the AMX-35. It is so very important in the lives of the ALS families. That's so true, Tommy. Thank you uh, for your perspective on that. And we mentioned it at the top of the show. There is that petition that is being circulated by the ALS Association and IMALS where anyone listening can go and add their name to that and make their voice heard that we need uh, this drug to get into the hands of those living with ALS sooner prior to a phase three trial. That's what we're asking the FDA for. That's what we're asking Amelix for. And with your help, we can make that happen. Tommy May, thank you again so much for your time and perspective during this pivotal moment in ALS research. We really, really appreciate it. Well, Mike, thank you. And uh, Jeremy, you're giving me the opportunity to uh, 
talk about uh, that four-letter word that means so much. Hope. Uh, it's just everything. Thank you. Well, thank you again to Dr. Cool Dip DeVay, to Sandy Morris, and to Tommy May for sharing some of their time and some of their insight, really kind of taking us through what the new development from Amalix says and the level of hope and urgency that it is injecting into the community and into this fight. It was a big moment, and it was great to hear from the three of them on their thoughts in the present. That will conclude this week's episode. We hope that you subscribe wherever you listen, and we'd also appreciate it if you took a minute to review and rate the show on your podcast service of choice. That helps others discover our content. And speaking of content, if you follow us on social media or track us down at connectingals.org, you can be certain that you won't miss a single episode as well as any bonus content or updates that come out in the meantime. This episode of Connecting ALS was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you all for listening, and we'll connect with you again soon.